evening. Welcome to Laughing Monkey Music Show. Today I'm Angry Anderson. Angry's a frequent guest, and I haven't seen you in a while. How you been? Hey, yeah, not too bad for an old bloke with no proper job. Oh, come on now. What is it? <laughs> I, I, you know, you, I do see you sometimes, like, doing stuff, and I, I don't want to make just... a fun laying pipe. I actually see you, and there's one picture of you with some giant bloke next to you. I know you've done it for, like, some kind of... <laughs> Comedy, and if people are gonna find it, I don't know if it's on your Instagram or your Facebook. It's somewhere. I don't remember what I saw it. It's the best picture ever. Yeah. Um, you Paul, Paul, uh, his name's Paul Larson, and he's a plumber. Yep. And I, I, I have done for many, many years, thirty years or more. Well, more. Uh, I've done uh, part-time labouring for him, which I still do. And the story behind it is that we met doing Thunderdome. Now, apart from Angelo, who was the dwarf, that that Paul, Paul played the character of Master Blaster, and it was yep. and Master Blaster is two people, and um, Master is was Angelo, who's a who was a dwarf, and um, he sat on Paul's Sorry. shoulders, right? So Paul is uh, six foot eight, um, and a big a big unit. Um, one of the problems that he's actually had in recent years, he's actually shrunk the best part of an inch because of the compression that big people feel because of gravity oh, pull it, pushing yeah. down. So he's had a lot of problems with his um, – and as I said, well, I've been doing his labouring. We've been best mates since we made that movie together. And um, What a great fact. Uh, I didn't even know that. That, that was yeah, yeah. together. You master blaster. Yeah. I I make that reference yeah. all the time for some reason. Yeah, well, pardon me. I mean, Angelo, God rest his soul, he's passed on. But um, Paul and I became like as brothers. We're very, very close. We actually only live like a couple of kilometres apart. Um, I worked with him yesterday and the day before, and I'll work with him again on Friday. Um, most weeks I'll do at least one, maybe sometimes three or four days with him a week. And it's just that when he needs... As a plumber, um, uh, there's you know there's accessibility like he doesn't handle stairs very well, so we get him set up, mm -hmm. and then I do I do the running, uh, like to another part of the job um, to check pressures and you know uh, right. turn taps on. Yeah, so I'm his legs basically. Yeah, but um, there's a, there's cool. a great photo there's a great photo of a bloke that we work for. Um, here in Australia that um, is another um, – he works for a company that oversees the some of the – well, all the islands in Sydney Harbour. Okay. And it's part of the Port Trust or, you know, the what well, they call them, the Harbour Trust. And they have jurisdiction over – now, the main island is – uh, the Cockatoo Island, and it was predominantly used during the first through the Second World War as, as a shipyard, shipbuilding, ship repairing. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's quite a large island. There's quite a lot to maintain. It's now a tourist. Um, people go out there on the ferry and, and go, you know, have, there's a tourist application. And they also, it's a venue for um, specialist gigs where they have gigs during the summer out on the island and uh, they ferry people backwards and forwards. So there's a fair bit of maintenance. But yeah. Yeah. yeah so we, the, this boss, this other boss, uh, Sean, he's, he, there's a photo of the three of us 
and and uh, Paul, of course, is a six foot eight. Um, um, our boss Sean is about, I think he's six foot, but 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 wide, but just a mammoth big right. human. And there's there's um, there's me five foot two. Uh, between these two monster males, you know, like monster men. So, yeah, it's a pretty funny photo. And and we, we, we put it up online. I love here, that picture. You know, uh, on, oh. you know, so, and, and Catherine said it it, it got 3,000 viewings in, in in within the next, like, two weeks, like 10 days, 12 days. Yeah, it's funny. It's, it's, I never, it's hilarious. It's hilarious. It's, it's hilarious. First off, the fact that, I mean, size and height, we're all at a point in life where it doesn't really matter. And, and you know, but it's the, the dynamics of it and the fact that <laughs> you're, but you're one of the people, and there's a few people that I've known that in my life that when you know them in person, you're like, you're not as tall, but, but the truth is, you always, you're, a, you're so much larger in life. My, my wife's um, father, before he passed, was like that. I always forget that he was shorter than me. Because I remember it being oh, yeah. larger, larger than me. Like yeah. I would imagine knowing you to be like larger than me, because of your personality, your 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 energy, and and I think, like you know what I'm saying. So it's mm. it's one of those things where it's kind of, kind of so like so. But it always throws me out when I saw a picture because I always feels like you're such a bigger person because you are. It's not about you know mm. physical. Thank so, you. I, I, I remember one one of my yeah. favorite stories was. Um, back in the early days, and, and the band was um, uh, newly in America, and um, a journalist who, who had become, uh, and she was very, uh, very into uh, music outside of, of the United States. So she very she knew a lot about English music, and she, when she first her passion started with the Beatles and the Rolling Stones, what they used to call the right. British Invasion. Anyway, having said that, she realised that there was music outside. Um, and, of course, you know, she was a, a vapid, rabid uh, ACDC fan. And um, anyway, uh, she when she finally got to meet us and she said, oh, you know, so I've got all your albums. Well, up until then it was three albums and... Uh, she said, you know, I've got hundreds of photographs of you and blah, blah, blah. And she was a photographer, journalist, but, you know, she journalist who took beautiful, really good photo photographs. Yeah. From New York she was. Um, anyway, um, and, and I remember her saying to me, I, I, I thought you were like six foot tall. And and I, I sort of, we we're looking at photos, right, of the band. And I said, well, if I'm six foot tall, how tall are they? Because they're all oh, yeah. so much, so <laughs> much more. And she said, I never thought of it like that, you know. And exactly. because it's, it, the point we're making is that it's perception. It's how you perceive something, you know. It's, it's, like, it's like you say, you know, you, you, you think your father was, was taller. He, but he was larger, He was larger. He is larger. In, in your, in your vision. Yeah, yeah. And... Um, mm. It, it was the same. It, well, gratefully, thank you. Um, it was like, like my brother. Um, I, I was so used to saying uh, of him, uh, God rest his soul, um, 
and he was my younger brother. And I said, well, you know, he 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 got he got the intellect. He was very very smart, very clever. Um, you know, like within his trade and uh, as an, an intellect to do with, the, you know, the mechanics of his trade. Right. He's an auto electrician. Anyway, um, and I, I got so used to saying, you know, and he, and he got, the, you know, he got the height. He's tall. You know, he was, and he was only maybe two, maybe three inches taller than me. But <laughs> in, my, in my vision, he was taller than me. Um, yeah, and and I always thought, you know, like it, 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 I, I'm, I'm not saying that I was envious because I I just accepted him, you know, for who and what he was. I mean, but you know, he was very academically smarter, um, um, but he was taller, and I always thought. And then, you know, when he passed, um, those last couple of years, you know, and he he he, uh, he died of cancer. And um, it, it it was almost like he shrank, shrank but but he was just he was always the same height. But, but but the perception that I worked out was that I always used to think, you know, like like you do that, you, that your people you love are invincible, or and and ever, you know, like he was yeah. ten years younger than I. I. I never thought that I'd outlive him, so. I think once I realised that he was fallible, he, he, he was a human being who was inflicted by an insidious disease and he was going to pass unless an accident befell me. He was going to pass before me and I'm, I'm the elder brother. I didn't get that, you know, for a start. That's, you know, you, you were saying it's difficult to get your head around that. It's harder. Well, you know, you know better than anyone. I mean, a, a death never... Of a younger, yeah. it feels like it feels like the food chain of of, of deaths should be age age deciding, mm. you know, it, and, and that's the way it should be. So anybody, you know, I married my wife shortly after we got married, and her father passed. So I mean, I had just met him. He was the best. He was like a father to me. He had yeah. so much wisdom. He gave me that short period of time. He was huge to me. Yeah, yeah. So it was, and so the impact was even on me. Was like, actually, it was more sad when he died than when my real father died. Not a dig toy, my dad and my mom were around, but you know what I'm saying? So it was that short period. So, but once again, you just, and now if you learn, I mean, if you get older, if you get older, it doesn't matter, just mortality and everything else. I mean, that's, you're, you're like 70, so 75 or 76 now. I mean, and you're, and you're, you're so active. It's probably why you're so healthy. You keep your mind sharp. You're in the band. You're, you're riding your bike still, like, right? Your motorcycle and stuff. So you're, you're keeping yourself healthy but i mean is it weirder now to look back as you get older i know like as i get older how i thought things when i was younger like i thought god like a 40 year old seemed old to me i'm 52 now and a 40 year old seems so young to me and like you start looking at things differently at this point has, has things kind of got kind of weird for you like because you can see like your career and like you know so much that you didn't know is it affecting you yeah that, like, i think you know what I'm saying? Like, does it feel like you're, yeah, you're, like, yeah. you're understanding it, it, life better? It's, it's yeah. not a bad thing. It's just it's not what I thought. No, it just, it, it just is. And it, and, it, and it's, it, again, as you said, it's a life thing. And that's the important thing, I think, for me personally, and I think it is for all of us, is that uh, once we accept that, uh, we're, at, we're in a better place. We're, oh, yeah. we, 
I, I don't think we come to, you know, like everlasting or all-consuming peace, but it's a, it's a peaceful place to be in the acceptance of. And I think one of the things uh, that I am comfortable about now is, is that inevitability. And, and it, it, you mentioned the band and, and that's always been a place of refuge and it's been a place where, you know, the other me, so to speak, can mm-hmm. speak. You know, it's got a voice. Um, um, 26, uh, the band will be 50 years as a name of a band. And, you know, I, I have I have comfortably accepted that that's the cutoff point, right, because 50 years is a great number to go out on. Um, so I have to work on that personally, physically, mentally, emotionally, uh, because I'm so so much far, further ahead and farther ahead, um, further ahead than than the other members of the of the, the, the now physical right. lineup. Um, so it's 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 not far from my mind ever that you know Pete Pete was is only a year older than me. Um, um, Mick was like you know, ten, I think maybe more years, not too many years younger. Uh, D- Digger was of a, a similar age. Geordie's still alive, of course, and he's always been you know, 10, 12 years younger than I. But having said that, um, age and or uh, affliction took them um, for whatever reason, but they've, they've yeah. gone. And uh, the, now knowing that there, that there can be and there should be and, and, there, and, there, and there will be an end to this component of my life which has taken up I've been in the band or associated with the band, being the singer of the band, for longer than half the time I've been alive. So the biggest half of my life I've been yep. associated with Rose Tattoo. So so now knowing that there, there, there is a, uh, you know, because there's, you know, the principle of life is, you know, there's the, the beginning, there's a the middle part, which is the large part, and then there's the finish and um, both the, you know, the, the birthing or the coming into being and the going out, they're two very, you know, obviously the two most vital components, but yeah. they are the, the smallest components in time frame. Obviously the, the big part, the middle is the life that you live. <laughs> um, but, yeah, I, I, I fully, I'm really coming to terms um, and it, it, I, not that I doubted that it wouldn't happen, but I have to honestly say that I haven't over the years dwelt on the fact that once I realised that, uh, you know, life is, you know, I'm way past the halfway mark in my physical existence on the planet, right? So you imagine I'm, if you weren't, you're like, oh, I'm going to be 140, I cannot do this. I think there was a few occasions where I thought to myself, I, I can't do this forever. And, of course, you can't, you know. But back in that in those days, you know, it was, it was maniacal existence. But now it's kind of like, well, I can't do this forever because, well, you can't. No one, no one can. I mean, the only thing that lives forever is a memory. I think it's kept you younger you know when they say like i know people that have retired they're 20 years your junior and then they see me yeah. in two years they check out and i don't think 
Rose, you've been a part of Rose Tattoo's life. I think you've been Angry Anderson for 75 or 70, 76 years. Um, yeah. I think Rose Tattoo's been a part of your life, extension of them to you. I don't, I think you've only Interesting. been to you. Well, this is, this yeah. is how I look at it. It's, you know, that's just, uh, you know, a parcel, a part of you that's established, you know, through that. So you've always been you. And that's just a part of you. It's like an outfit. You know what I mean? It's, it's, it's still you. And if you stop it, I'm not saying don't stop it either, but I'm saying, but like on some level though, you're always, you know, we, we talk about different things. We'll talk about like crazy things you and I, and then like with music is there's some kind of like youthful bringing right back to the, the, the record parties. And you can remember yeah. the exact moment. And there's, there's that, that, that lifeblood that keeps you fresh. I mean, the fact you're still doing plumbing, you know, and you're doing these things, you're still doing things. You're not thinking of like stopping things. You know what I'm saying? I think once people stop yeah. doing things, you yeah. you kind of stop doing things. And you're as vital now as you've ever been. I mean, if you don't want to do something because it's kind of bummed, that's cool. But mm. you 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 sound fantastic. You you're doing good, and and I, I mean the pace may change, but I mean, oh man, just throw some music in you, you know. <laughs> Thank you. I. Someone said to me the other day, which I thought was rather interesting. They said, "Well, <clears throat> okay, if, if you if you can foresee the end um, of of Rose Tattoo, what what then?" And I said, "Well, let, let's let's close one door before we, you know, uh, open another." Um, there was this lovely, um, there's some black and white footage that I saw. Um, I, I prescribed to something. I can't think of what it was, but on on face pass and um, and it, there's a lot of people on there, um, uh, particularly uh, you know what the people that are referred to as African Americans, but Americans of African descent. I think is a you know the correct way of, of couching that. But um, there's this woman, and she said, um, you know, it's true that a door closes, but in that room there's a window open that lets fresh air in. And she said, so as you close that door, walk towards the wisdom window to see what there is to see out of the window. And I thought that's a beautiful way of articulating uh, that, that very principle, that one door closes and another door opens. But the window principle is another dimension, another dimension of... I, I think uh, the process, but also um, she, she was speaking from a very religious, she's a very religious woman and um, a singer, um, a blues singer, but, you know, like so many um, early blues singers, they had that wonderful gospel right. uh, a background. background. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and she said, yeah, so you walk to the window to see what's ahead of you, what you can see out of the window. It had, had this wonderful view and it sort of allowed me to sort of see the door closing, door opening uh, principle uh, in, in, a, in a, a, an expanded light or an extended way. So, and it's very true and I think, well, uh, yes, uh, life after rose tattoo. There's life after everything. Yeah, and and loss loss is always growing. Um, loss is loss. I mean, you lament the loss of a person or a passing of an age or whatever it may be. But um, and I think uh, part of the wisdom, if you like, or, or um, 
is the acceptance, you know, of, of that. And 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 it, 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 we moved very quickly on to, well, what are you going to do musically? And I said, well, in the background, I've always had, and I've, I've been able to do this with cover bands, is sing other songs. Right. So, you know, I guessed with cover bands that, um, you know, play private parties or pay pubs or whatever, and I get to sing favourite songs of mine as cover bands. So the next band that I do, which I think will, will well, I'm, I'm pushing towards having it physically coming into being before the end of Rose Tattoo, so it gets sort of like a bit of a slides in, um, is, is, as we've talked about before, is a band like very much based on the faces yeah, um, which which is my favourite band of all time, and so we'll, we'll you know I will. I don't think it'll we will create, if at all we we may create original material. Certainly not something I would resist. It's something I would embrace, but it will be based on me uh, uh, being able to sing, you know, you know, Otis Redding songs and Percy Sledge and. You know the the R and B that I grew up with, and that so loved music. Oh, oh! Before I forget, I wanted to talk to you about this. Have you seen the Elvis Presley movie? I have. Yes. Oh, I watched it on the plane over. Now I've never done. I've done this on maybe two or two or three okay. occasions, where you know because we flew over uh, with Delta and flew mm-hmm. back. And um, so they had the same movies going and coming and going. And I remember doing it with Jack Reacher. Um, I remember doing it with Bourne. And there's a couple of other movies. Jumanji was one, um, although I'd already seen Jumanji at um, at the theatre, the first yeah. one. Anyway, long story short, I watched on my way over the Elvis movie and I was – I. I thought, you know, I'm going to watch it again on the way home. It's a fucking great movie for me as an Elvis. As an Elvis fan myself, I, I grew up and actually in, in my tattoo, as I tell the king of tattoos about my own tattoo, which is a gravestone. One of them has my grandmother's name who got me into Elvis and the Beatles. And the other one actually has Elvis's name on it. So I do believe yeah. he passed. So yeah. I have an Elvis fan for life. That being said, I loved it. I grew up seeing so many Elvis movies, and I've seen so many not so good movies. I've seen great actors do not good movies, you know. <laughs> Kurt Russell, I'm like, oh, Kurt, it, you know, you're a good actor, but that was not that was, you know, there was no vehicle that could do it justice until this one came out. Mm-hmm. You know, it was stylized, I just, it was perfect. It was just, it was great. The pace, yeah. The, 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 I the, I just thought the way that they, particularly that early. Um, yeah. I love. Yeah. Don't you think the stylization helped make? I think the visual effects and the stylization with the music that it worked together so well. It made you feel those moments more than I think in the past of being like a flat film of a story. Mm-hmm. You felt I felt more involved in it. I felt like I could feel the anxiety when he was sneaking in. He was seeing this, the the performers that in that scene, like you know, kind of sneaking. Like you could feel the feel the emotion. That's what I got from it, which to me, you know, brought the movie up many notches. There, were, there was a couple of moments that touched me very deeply, and Elvis as a child, when he was like 
aware of the music around him. And so you could see, and I thought it was really good storytelling. Yeah. Um, I'm not a huge fan of um, um, Baz Luhrmann, isn't it? Well, they did the movie. Um, oh, I remember the movie, yeah. Yeah. So, uh, but anyway, having said that, um, I thought I thought there was a couple of moments when he went, and particularly when he was talking to his mother, they have a, and and his father, and, yeah. and and the way it was very quickly established how different they were, mm-hmm. um, and 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 of course you realised a bit later how they did individually have, as mothers and fathers will and do, have you know direct or indirect effects on the child's growth mental development, whatever, emotional development. And I thought there was a beautiful moment where he's <clears throat> he goes into the, here's the, here's the singing, here's the music, and he goes into the church. And there's all these, um, uh, you know, brown people of African descent and, um, and singing gospel. And he, he, he you, the, the acting was such, but also the directed direction was such that I felt caught up in that. I felt right. like as he turned around and as he looked around at these taller people clapping and singing, it was almost like you could physically feel something. He, and it was a mysterious sort of chemical alchemal, really, change that all of the see, he felt that and it was in his face. As an actor, and I thought, you know, like, because a very, very young bloke, obviously, yeah. who acted the part, and, and this transformation, and I, I only, I likened it in my own head to, it was like when people must receive Christianity, they say, you know, I received the Holy Ghost, and it right. was kind of that's that's what was happening to the young Elvis Aaron, Presley, yeah, and. He he was baptized at that moment, not physically, but spiritually. Right. And he came out of there like with this new mission and this new strength and this new purpose. And and he carried that through all this music, right to his last performances. He still sat and or sang, you oh. know, um, gospel. Yeah. And I think some of the sadness that I felt, and I remember. I'm glad it was late at night and the lights were off and everyone was asleep <laughs> because I had a bit of a I had a bit of a sook and a song. But in those last couple of performances, even though he was still totally committed to being the best he could be for his audience, I think there was a sadness in him. He knew not only that that somehow there was an going back to how this conversation started about the end of something. And he might have even been, you know, you know, in that that time when they said, "Don't you fucking wiggle your rips, wiggle your hips, don't you do this, don't you do that." Yeah. And his fans were saying, "We want the old Elvis back." Right. We want we want the hip swiveler. We want the fucking the the crotch pounding. You know, we we want the sex. They because they love the voice. They love what he, you know, like you know, yeah, nothing but a hound. See, they come back. Yeah, we yeah. all relate to that. We all relate to that, right? We all do. I mean, that's just primal. It, it but, is. It's totally. 
know, but that, that, what they wanted, they wanted the extra thing that he brought to it. And he went out there in defiance and did it. And in the end, like, transpose ourselves all that time forward in his life to Las Vegas. He did that at the end. You know, he was still that defiant rebel rock and roller, right. even though he'd gone through this, you know, a lot of people, myself included, I lost interest in all those movies and the, ah, Las Vegas. I mean, that's a great song, but, you know, like, Roused about, and you know, like, you yeah, know, yeah, I yeah. Some, you know, I, I didn't even watch most of those movies because it was just like, nah, you know, the Elvis that I fell in love with and had loved right through to the beginning, right from the beginning to the end. And I saw it in that last few performances that are that are there online to see, yeah, you know, when, when he does sit on that podium in the leather suit and he says, you know what, we're just going to play some songs, you know, and, and they. And, and there was that last, you know, in, in the movie, there was that, like, they were to be his last Las Vegas um, performances, yeah. the last performances of his life. And there still was that, nah, fuck it, I'm going to sing this song, you know, like there still was that. So even though he'd been sort of, I suppose, trapped, imprisoned, if you like, not wanting to sound overly dramatically romantic about the whole I think, thing. No, but. I think it, you're it's definitely emotionally trapped because I think he started out in gospel. Like my grandmother, I had a lot of Elvis gospel growing up too, not besides the rock and roll. And he was, that's who he was. And gospel tied him to his mama. And, and he, there was nothing more. He was a mama's boy. He loved his yeah. mom and his mom, his mom created and, and shaped him. And once his mom left his life, that's, I think, with the beginning of the vacancy happened because he was experimenting and dancing and, and the hips and he was growing. It was part of a thing. And I think that his mom left. And then all of a sudden it became like it became him. It wasn't him doing the hips because it felt good. He became, that's when he started evolving, I think, to a parody of himself. And I think that's all the challenge. I think towards the end when he was just going back doing what he wanted to do. You know what I mean? I think he just kind of felt it, how life was changing. Yeah. I mean, he would just do the gospel. He was kind of being, he would do the hips and stuff for fun, I think, at the end because I think he was, Kind of get himself back again, mm. but I think those mill years towards the end, he lost himself because his mom. You know? Yeah, well, the, the thing was, yeah, I, I agree. I think that the hip thing. I mean, that was that was him trying to uh, imitate what he saw in church. Right. Was that was the singing and the you know the, the clapping and the and the the way hands waving and and people being emotional. And that the music did that, the you know, the community of singing together and dancing together, um, uh, in in congregation, you know, that magic word in congregation, and and, and exhibiting or manifesting this wonderful spiritual experience, and that his early gyrating that was him experiencing that yeah. you know it's like it's like when you know people run down the you know at these gospel meetings these days and i think possibly to a great degree uh, it's not so much orchestrated but you know they run down and they throw themselves on the floor and they roll around and do all that sort of stuff um and i'm not too sure whether that's authentic or not but having said that yeah, I, mean, yeah all, I don't know myself either <laughs> yeah, with, with all, that either. <laughs> yeah no really um um, with, with Elvis, you know, he didn't need to do that at the end, and it, 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 and it's because he pro progressed 
and he became, it wasn't like you tamed the beast. It's just that the beast didn't, you know, it's like a lion. You know, the lion protects the pride. I mean, it'll fight every young lion in the business. It'll fight animals that that threaten the cubs, blah, blah, blah. So will the lioness, obviously. But let's not leave daddy out of the picture. And so I think, you know, as as the lions grow, what do they leave? They leave that protection of the herd or the, 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 the cub. The cubs and the, the you know the the pride to the younger, um, whatever. So it's a transition of time, and and I think that's one of the wonderful things. I, I like I said, you know, I'm glad it was late at night on the plane because I just I put my hands in my in my head in my hands and just wept. I just thought, fucking well, I, you know. It, it had the perfect arc because I mean his story was actually is it's, it's storytelling is so perfect because. It has the drama, the this, the center, the core, the arc. And I think hips and everything was honest to him. And I think he got pushed into doing the hips like later on because it became like a parody of himself. And he just didn't do it because that's, he was making him be something he did, that he did naturally on his own. He owned it again at the end. And he was who he wanted mm-hmm. to be again. He was yeah. taking himself. He was reclaiming himself from the movies and all that garbage. Just, he got lost in those million years. But I think at the end, before he passed, he was reclaiming who he was again, and that's why he'd sit down and play songs. He'd laugh, you know, because he did a song, I don't, I don't know. he goes, I just ripped my pants. You know, in one of the songs, he does that where he leans down and he splits his pants or something in a it's like a live performance. He laughs, you can hear it in a recording, talk about splitting his pants, and he's laughing, he's telling jokes. Mm. He's owning it, he's he's coming to terms yeah. with himself, yeah. And that's yeah. that's the arc of the whole thing of his life, you yeah. Know? And and yeah. the storytelling. When you can get that much emotion, you can, you know, show up the relationship between the mom and the dad in a few minutes. Mm-hmm. There's some really good um, cinematography and storytelling to do it that quickly. Yeah. And it was done very well in, this, in that yes. movie. You know? I thought so too. Yeah. Like I said, I'm not a, I'm not a, a, a fan of his other films, but what else did he do? So, I don't even know. I don't remember who it was. Um, I'm pretty sure it was Baz Luhrmann. Um, I have to look it up and see what else he's done. Yeah, I've gotten um, bad about movies lately. I think I'll, I'll see a big movies, or I'll see the Beatles. I saw like the Beatles thing. Mm. That was good. Just a couple of years yeah. ago, I haven't really seen them much lately. You know? Yeah, no, me, me neither. And I think it's one of the things that I've, I've, I've always been an avid movie goer. You know, like to the theater because I love the you know the the grandiose of it all. Yep. And there's some films I think that need to be seen in that in that yes. uh, format because they are such big movies. Like, I, I mean, you know, you, you can't imagine going seeing, well, I can't, I couldn't imagine seeing um, Lawrence of Arabia on a small screen. It's kind of like, you know, nah. It's not, it's not as natural. <laughs> well, I yeah. saw um, Avatar. I'm like, I don't even care about the story, but you have to see it on a big screen. Or you saw... Um, any James Bond movie, actually, got to be on a big screen. Yeah, Mission you know? Impossible. Mission Impossible, thank you. You know, <laughs> you, you, you have to see a lot of stuff. You know, I, I do see big yeah. movie stuff. And, and I also think as you get older, I think everything gets sadder as you get older. I was watching something the night. And at the end of the movie, I was like, it's like some stupid movie I see. It's like Tom Hanks movie. And at the end, I was like, oh, my God. I'm not crying. Yeah. You're crying. You know, <laughs> <laughs> I'm sweating. I'm just so much. Yeah, yeah. I'm like, is it hot in here? Am I crying yeah. over Tom Hanks getting rescued from the Somali um, pirates? <laughs> what's, what's going on here? Yeah. 
I'm like, what has happened yeah. to me? Yeah. yeah, it's you know, but but um, it is good storytelling. You know, when you can be affected that way and take yourself out of out of life. But yeah. it's 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 good. I mean, but it's it's funny that like because you're saying earlier, you said you know you don't have you don't have TV, but you have so much other things going on. Cause I know you're you're a reader, and obviously you have the internet, and you're watching news. A million things. You like me get lost in the, in the world of of deep music. YouTube dives, and next thing you know, you listen to, you know, to 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 um voice singing and 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 you know just that and the, all these groups like that. So I mean, it, there's so much out there to listen to and to learn from oh, still. Yeah. Yeah. And I know, and I think, and I do think, and and to your early point about the early arcs of life. I mean, you also have your own, you know, Elvis arc in your own life. You know, where you've kind of come. From the rougher stories in the early on, you know, the family man, the father, you know, and 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 you still continued rocking. You haven't changed, you know. You've had a great career, and you still do, you know. And and mm-hmm. and that leads to which has got me is a great question I want to ask you. I don't usually have questions because obviously I don't write anything down. I'm not that kind of guy. But I thought it was interesting is we were talking earlier about um, Monster Rock Cruise. Um, yeah, and a lot of people have looked up. Yeah, <laughs> we'll talk about that for the a good, minute. the good and the bad. The good and the bad, right? Drinks were, drinks yeah. were done, words were said. Yeah, <laughs> you solidified your legend still. Um, you know, it's a lot of good performances from you. And I actually this year, I regret that you're not going because I'm not a ship guy. I'm, I'm not a big boat guy. Whatever. There's so many bands going I want to see, and then I'm like, oh, I can finally get to see you. And I was like, oh, I just, it just obviously we talked earlier things going on. I couldn't go, um, but but the fact that you're on there and you you've made and you're 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 uh, very sincere and and there's no ego involved, but it's still got to feel good to know when you have people come up to you, everyone called peers or whatever, the musicians that have shown the effect you've had in their life. You know, it's got to be nice to have other musicians say, hey, you know what I mean? You inspired oh, me. Yeah, you know, I, 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 don't, I don't mean I don't mean like an, an ego because that's not you. No, no, no. I mean as a human being saying, really, I did something that made you just do it. I just saw you do that upstairs. That was really awesome. I just watched you do that. I was a part of that. Thank you. Like mm-hmm. that's got to feel good. Absolutely, it's um, <clears throat> yeah, and it's it's a very emotional experience too because one of the things I I, I loved about I'm going to talk about the ship um there were several bands that we had had been on the ship previously with yeah and there, there was uh, there was none of the uh, closeness that there was this time because we were just getting to know one another and we met one another at photo shoots and right. Q&As and stuff and um but this time it was like we were old pals we were old friends like we we we'd had a we had a bit of history yeah. So there was there was a lot of there was a lot of real man love going on. You know, there was a lot <laughs> of back slapping and there was a bit of kissing and there was a bit of you know a bit male camaraderie. You know, there was right. a, you know, and it was just re- it was really really lovely. And a couple of them actually said, <clears throat> which was quite moving. Um, um, then they they <clears throat> they uh, uh, referred to. Uh, the real uh, inspiration, or you know, in the same way we're talking about Elvis, the same way we're talking yeah. about uh, other great musicians, um, 
and it's it's a wonderfully humbling and it's so it's so cliche to say that um that it's humbling because it because it really is it's a wonderful experience when someone says you know and and they'll quote something say from a lyric mm-hmm. and they say like you, you know that touched me so deeply and you think that's you know that's deeper and better and and more well, it's worth, more worthwhile, but it's more fulfilling for me to take away from that exchange. It's very complimentary. Yes, yeah, and that's the that's the surface level of it, but it's not meant to be complimentary. It's meant to be something that's deeper. And and they, you know, they'll say, "Oh, you know, when I heard that song, I just thought, you know, I wish I'd written that song or words to that effect." You know. Um, People like you know, I remember doing a, a, a rock quiz once, or not we want to say a quiz, like, it was a series of questions. Like, um, and they said, um, what are songs that you wish you'd written? Yeah, and um, I thought, um, Maggie May, yeah, and then I said, um, later on, The Killing of Georgie, um. And then I then I then I thought, you know, I got a bit silly and I sort of said, well, I did say hard days night um and, and meant that. Um but then then I thought, you know, I'll throw them a curve. And I said, well, we'll walk, you know, walking on the moon. And I was never a big police fan, but I love yeah. uh, I love good pop. You know, I love good yeah. purposeful written but constructed, you know, like the the thing about the police was that they're so clever. Yes. Yeah, as a band, as an as an ensemble, as a uh, and and the drummer was just fabulous. You know, I mean, you know, I mean, I, I think you know a lot of people, uh, you know, thought that possibly you know Sting uh, turned out to be a real asswipe, but I, you know, I think he went through a, a stage there where he was just we had difficulty understanding him. I do. I and, think he was. He was also. Seriously, he's a very takes himself as a very serious musician, and he'll still say to this day, like he's like, very good though. He's very good. No, I'm saying I think as a band, I think with the band he'll be like, every band should get to back together and do that reunion. I think he said recently, and he said, but that was it that one time, and 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 the nucleus of the band is, but he's still very seriously. He has his musicians and he has his band that has its parts, and I think all the success and everything else, like, he did kind of come off pretty bad, and I, and I think we all young young at a young age go through success at different points. You know, mm-hmm. but I think what was so great about that band is, I mean, Stewart, the drummer, was a, like a jazz drummer. Yeah. I mean, Bill Ward and Black Sabbath was a jazz drummer. So when you have different style like jazz drummers in a rock and roll band, and then you yeah. throw some pop, then you throw some pop sensibilities, and then you, you know, and, and then Andy, Andy on guitar is just a different kind of guitar player. So you you put those guys together, and none of them are really pop musicians, sort of. But I mean, Sting is sort of. But you know what I'm saying? You put it together, yeah. the, the yeah. pop songs were just. Not really regular pop songs. They were like jazz musicians writing Beatles songs or something. Like it was just like mm. a little different. Mm. And I think that's why it was special. You I know? mean, but wildly successful as we yeah. say pop songs, uh, popular pop. Um, and not the same as today's pop songs either. I got to say, I, I, you know, I feel like an old man. So get off my lawn because it's not the same. <laughs> some, <laughs> of the greatest, the same. some of the greatest songs ever written turned out to be. Pop songs, sweet Caroline, da da da. Everyone sings the yeah. fucking brass line. I mean, like, yeah. 
they're, they're, they're just, you know, I mean, any any number of the Beatles songs, you know, and, and even, um, and, and I don't know that they would even uh, shrink away from this, but the, the hits that made the Stones, I mean, they were still pop songs, oh, yeah. but just just with that bit more edgy and a bit, we'll you know, to it, yeah. Yeah, well, look at look at you too. I mean, the classic. I mean, they. I, I don't think it's right to say it's you know pop by numbers, but I mean, they're very formulated, very clever. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, emotionally, that doesn't do anything for me. But I've I've watched footage. You know, yeah, I mean, you, there's, yeah. You can respect music and not get it. I, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. You came up yeah. in a conversation recently because I was talking to talk about pop music and there's a softer pop, but I was talking to. Uh, I've actually talked to both the guys from um, Air, um, Air Supply recently. And um, I was talking to Glenn Russell about, and, and he had met you before a few times. You guys had talked a few times. Oh, we had. Yeah. We're, and I love the this... idea of you two. First of all, I love the idea of you guys being together because you guys musically are almost like the polar opposites. Absolutely. Yeah. But personality-wise, totally not. So, well, when, when, I, when I first met them, um, and it was many, many years ago. I was doing right. television. And whenever they came back out here, um, they would come and uh, perform on the Midday Show, which is got my – the Midday Show was where I got my start as, a, you know, as a, as a so-called youth reporter. And, um, and I, I basically uh, – I said, oh, I can – you know, I, I, came, I came in that day. It wasn't my day, but I came in to watch them perform. And they said, what are you doing here? And I said, well, I came in to see you guys. I said, I fucking, I've always loved your songs. And they went, what? Those are some good songs. People look at me like, what do you do? This is rock and roll. I'm like, those are good songs. But they're great. See, this beautifully constructed, crafted pop. It's yeah. just beautiful music, you know. And, like, um, uh, you know, we got talking about, you know, the, the format and stuff. And, yeah. and um Anyway, uh, I, I actually years later uh, ended up going out for a couple of years uh, with with Russell's cousin. Uh, it just happened. Oh, really? Yeah, it's just one of those things that happen. But um, <laughs> that's not why. It's just happened that way. And I yeah. after we'd been keeping company for a couple of months, that something came up, and she goes, "Oh, um, you know, cousin Russell's in town," and. I saw yeah, and she goes, yeah, and he, he was hoping to catch up. And I went, why would he? And she, you know, she said, well, that's, he's my cousin. And, and I went, oh, fuck, yeah, I'm, I'll, I'll come. Yeah. Just, you know, just to catch up. But, um, yeah, they were surprised that, um, uh, you know, that we were talking that kind of stuff. But, you know, like I, we started talking about um, – what what you know the white soul pop whatever you like to call it but you know like um uh, the Bodines um I don't know if you're yeah. familiar with the Bodines I, I love the, the, I the love... bigger song for them that people aren't aware was close, probably close to be free which was on the Party of Five soundtrack I think that was their big song that people would yeah. know popular wise but I know they're those songs too yeah they're good yeah well they yes they are they're fantastic and um. I mean, going back to my era where we started. I mean, you, you got had the Everly Brothers, but um, um, oh, you know, um, 
what was that other fantastic, wildly successful duo? Um, the, the, the singer was a tall, sort of blonde, blue-eyed guy, and a, his his songwriting power was uh, Hispanic, I'm sure. Um, I'm not sure. Oh, they had some. Oh, just isn't it funny? It's, it's awful, isn't it? When you you'll remember it after we had done talking, you'll be like, oh. That's what's going to yeah, happen. Yeah, yeah. No, they, they were huge. They had hit after hit after hit. Um, yes, in the 60s, uh, 70s? When? Yeah, 70s. Um, oh, um, oh, God damn it. Name, the name escapes you. It'll come to me. But um, Cap, not Captain and Neil. I'm trying to think of duos now. No, um, no, no, no. Two, two guys. Of, two guys. Um, um, when I was talking about the Bodines, yeah. I got into the Bodines through this these two other guys. Oh, um, really? And I was looking for – I was, you know, fascinated by their songwriting and uh, the two-part harmony thing and um, – oh, God damn it. But, yeah, they, 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 you, you've got a picture. The, the singer is, a, is, a, is a, the taller of the two. Mm-hmm. And he's blonde and blue-eyed. He, uh, the, the other guy was a, sh- a smaller guy, played guitar, um, and and was Hispanic in appearance. Oh, they had huge hits. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'll think of it. Like, you know. I'll, yeah, I'll yeah. Know. If you think we got, let me know because I'm gonna I'm gonna have to go crazy thinking about it now. I, I, should, I should go. I should go. And, I should go to the record, but I won't. Yeah, you, should, you, should, <laughs> well, you know, you, you can't. You want, but so here, here's so one of the things that was really great and. and when talking to Graham, I, so I talked to uh, Russell and and to Graham, each of them separately. Yeah, yeah. And and um, Graham, I just spoke to like uh, a week or two ago, actually. Um, which is funny because the same kind of you know connections and everything else. Really funny. So so what was interesting? What he said is he he has the same, like literally the same interest. You know, like gr- growing up, like you know Beatles and, and Elvis and, and, and Zeppelin, the same things you and I have talked about. You know that we've had. I think he, he his influence was like. All the same influences, like, but the music came out totally different from you, which is really yeah. fun. You know what I mean? And, yeah. and, um, but it's crazy, like, the success. But they had the same thing, like, everything's rock and roll is so easy, but it's not. I mean, you, you're, you're the, you know, you've struggled, you've ups and downs, and, and, and keep going. And now you're at a point where obviously you, you've established yourself, thankfully, <laughs> you know. <laughs> but, um, when I said to myself, I was like, uh, you know, but, at this point, he's the same thing. They're, they're working on new music, and I don't think an artist. And it's always weird to hear an artist like this. I'm like, I'm glad. I was going to say that earlier. You were when you the band tattoo ends, you'll still do music. Like, yeah, yeah. But I've talked to artists that have said, um, "I'm I'm done. You know, I don't want to do any more music. I want to sing." I'm like, "Are you sure? Like, maybe for fun on the side?" They're like, "Nope." So I'm like, "Yeah, that's it." You know? Yeah. I, I... I, I I would have to struggle with coming you across think so, anybody. Right? Yeah, yeah. Okay. I, I I struggle with that. I have to I have to say. Um, and I, I had a similar experience with a very close, dear friend from the very very early days. And he said to me at one stage, he said, "I put the guitar in its case. I I kicked it under the under the bed, and it stayed there for twenty years." How? And I went, fuck off. 20, he said, yeah, 20 years. 
and he went into IT. That's and he's, he's only in recent times, he said, I just one day woke up and thought, I wonder if it's still in tune. That was his, he said to me, that was his first thought. And I said, John, it couldn't possibly after fucking 20 years. He said, I pulled it out. It wasn't in tune. He said, I tuned it up and it sounded fucking awful. I restrung it and he said, no, I haven't put it down since. First off, I don't play guitar that great, but I always want to. So I can't not ever play it. I'd be like, if you play that good and you, you don't play it, it's a crime to me. I'm like, because I wish I could play it that good. This this guy was, is, was, is a fucking wonderful, wonderful guitar player. That's I don't know whether he was exaggerating the time period for 20 years. He said, but yeah, I said, I just, nah, had no desire. And um, of course he had a, you know, he had a, a, a very personal story about how, you know, as a youngster, he thought he'd given his best years, but lifetime hadn't taught him yet that his best years are what he decides are his best years, not the industry. But he, he said to me, he said, you know, like we gave it our best back in those days. He said, and, it, you know, it just wasn't good enough. And I said, by, you know, but yeah, but by whose estimation, you know, like right. just because just because we didn't achieve, you know, dizzying, you know, success and, you know, millions of dollars and freaking, you know, all arrive at a gig in a separate car, you know, all that kind of shit they go on with or some people go on with. But, um, yeah, I said, mate, you know, you know, you know you, I, I think he's an extraordinary guitar player because I think he's truly gifted. It's, it's not that he's just technically brilliant. He's just got, you know, he's got those really long fingers and, you know, he, he, he caresses a guitar. And um, I said, really, you didn't play for that long? He goes, yeah, no. And just he said, just one day I woke up. He said, quite literally, I just woke up one day and I thought, I wonder if that fucking thing's still in tune. And he pulled it out from under the bed. And um, you know, he's been playing now for you know some years because he was quite young at the time. We were all very, very young at the time. <laughs> and um he just he just said, Yeah, he said, I just he said I, I just got to the point where I thought, well, the industry doesn't appreciate talent. And I think one of the things I, I felt for him because I felt that possibly, you know, that 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 was partly true. I mean, there are some people that achieve great success and I, it's not for you or me to say that they deserve or don't deserve it, but it's it, there are other people that are truly gifted that never, you know, they never – Achieve monetary success. Oh no, not at all. I mean, they, they might. Is I think part of it's because you just well, I mean, with a popular vote, is sometimes the popular opinion of music doesn't always cross with the same people that would be like a, a music or a muso. Yeah, somebody like you and I who are like we'll talk about records for hours and liner notes and stuff. That's not the same people. That's not the eighty percent of the people that are going to make the charts. Mm. You know what I'm saying? Mm. So that's mm. that's. Their, their view of what music is is totally different. It could be Barbie Girl, as if somebody can play, you know, all their notes and their scales and, and, and really compose something. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Very rarely do you get something like, you will get, of course, like like an air supply 
perfectly crafted pop song with musical talent, and it becomes huge. Pull the notes. Pull the notes. Is that, is that Sorry. <laughs> Sorry. It just popped into my head out of nowhere. Because the hollows from like he doesn't mean hollows like because in the seventies they were they were they really yeah late seventies maybe I mean Sarah Smile is one of the best oh I love their records that is one of the best songs ever Sarah Smile I love their records yeah go sorry I interrupted no no thank you because I I was going to say that but I'm like oh that's that's in the seventies I think they they were there more like late seventies early eighties they're more like an eighties band to me I think yeah with their big hits came out yeah that's what threw me otherwise I would have guessed it um yeah but. But I think that's what it is. I think that's why no one's ever. But then, if you look at it, I mean, at this time point in, in the eighties, like even your even Rose Tattoo had some different sounds, you know. Um, the album with with, with suddenly our calling that was much more of a pop album. I love that album actually. This was this weekend. Yeah, but it's, it's, that, that was never meant to be a Rose Tattoo album. Exactly. But I'm saying because of the industry, there's always a reason why something had a different sound because. Mm all musicians were trying to chase what that sound and justify their success. Well, I must be successful. I may be a good musician because I'm successful. Well, it's not really what it was. I mean, you're a good musician because you're a good musician. And if you're successful, that's just sometimes that's just dumb luck or somebody making record machine, you know, and I do think it's a good album, whether it's Rose Tattoo or not. Um, oh, I, like I think it's, uh, 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 thank, thank you, brother. Thank you for that. Because I, I, I think it's a collection of songs. I was talking to Andy Shishon, only just, um, uh, Andy left Australia because um, he played bass and wrote, co-wrote a lot of those songs, um, as he did suddenly. I mean, he was the yeah. co-writer on suddenly, and um, obviously because he, you know, he was a, the co-writer. He, he and I were a, a partnership. Um, he now plays bass with Billy Joel and um, did 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 play with Shania Twain for years. Um, you know, between the two. But um, he moved to New York <clears throat> to pursue uh, songwriting predominantly, um, and uh, this is many, many years ago, um, in the wake of Suddenly and, uh, you know, um, the, the interest in the song and um, has gone on to, you know, be a very, very successful career-wise, not so much in the songwriting but in his field of expertise which is playing bass yeah but um when 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 i first signed to uh, the backstory to that album that when i first signed to um i I, you know moved away from albert's the albert's uh, relationship the deal was over we you know we we went our separate ways after let, let me tell you about, and we, we, I think we must finish on this. I want to tell you about Southern Stars, which yeah. was the last, which is a different lineup, as you know. Um, so I signed a mushroom, and uh, they said, Well, what do you want to do musically? And I said, Well, I, I'm, you know, the, the band I've always wanted to do is like based on the faces, and I want to do a band like that, you know, guitar and, and heavy on the keyboards. And I was throwing things around like we talked about. Um, about um, uh, young rascals and vanilla yeah. fudge, and you know, like early, the early uh, gospely bluesy white guy blues thing that came. I was first heavily influenced by, you know, 
Yeah. Um, I mean, vanilla fudge was heavy though too for the time. Vanilla fudge was I pretty fucking heavy. Lot, yeah, no, just those. those I just want to say bands. that. I just want to say because most people don't realize that vanilla fudge were pretty heavy from back then. So I just oh, throw it out there. Still now, you listen to the guitar arrangements. Oh, I agree. I agree with you, but nobody thinks oh, of vanilla no, fudge. You don't think of a heavy band. Just fucking heavy as lead. You know, the drums. Um, come on, Carmine was right. Carmine was a drummer in that band, so I mean, come on. Oh, they were they were all. I mean, they, they because they were slotted straight into, and they did. They wrote great pop, you know. Yeah, um, they did. But 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 as a band, they were fucking just mm, balls like this fucking heavy, big. and heavy. and 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 then you know then with that with the and they were very. I don't think they were influenced by the English thing. I think the thing to things happened simultaneously, but then you know the British thing moved into America, and yeah, it's not, not that they got swallowed up, but there was a lot of competition. You know, Spencer Davis, there was fucking, um, you know, uh, the other sort of um, the new R and B because that you know the Rascals and and um, and the Fudge and and other bands like that that they were R and B heavily influenced by. R&B. Now listen to the singers. Yeah. Singing, oh, singing. Um, you know, just oh, yeah, but R and B, like wonderful singing. delivery, you know, like up until then. I mean, the, the guys that we had is for inspiration were, you know, pretty much country music. I mean, the great inspirations in my life, and we've discussed this ad nauseum, was you know the 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 thirties and forties blues singers. I mean. <clears throat> that that's the music that I grew up on. It's the music I still listen to today. You know, it's like when, when I'm in, um, uh, you know, when I'm in next door in, in the evening time preparing the evening meal, um, that's what I listen to, you know. Um, anyway, getting back to the... Uh, yeah. I wanted to finish on uh, off on the Southern Stars thing because... Um, I'm conscious of time, but yours and mine. But um, more yours and mine. Talk, talking about the, um, uh, I was only talking this morning to the young, um, young Ronnie Simmons, who's the latest addition to our lineup, and um, about songwriting, about what we're going to be preparing for the next album. Um, now we just did a run around Australia in the first half of the year. Uh, called Assault and Battery, and we played um, at one time that we played all the songs off Assault and Battery. But for, for the most of the most of the gigs, we probably did um, we wouldn't do TV or Mansell Bandus or yeah. But there's a couple of uh, we did predominantly the Assault and Battery album, and um, and the next run, which we start in the middle of August. We're, we're calling that Southern Stars tour, right? The, the Southern, and it's to, because the Southern Stars, it was taken from our rebel flag, whereas in America it was the Confederate flag. But um, uh, in Australia we had this um, a rebellion of sorts called, and it, was, it took place at the Eureka Stockade um, in the gold fields in Victoria in 1854. So on Blood Brothers, there is the song 1854. Yep. Um, and and pre- previous to that, on the Southern Stars album, which was the last album we did for Alberts, and there was only Geordie and I involved in that. Mm. Um, and it was just because I've always been inspired by um, 
the, the, the story of Eureka and why it happened. It was a fight against, it's been recorded in historic terms as, oh, well, they rebelled against, which part of it was they rebelled against the fees imposed on the miners by uh, the constabulary to operate mines, right? So they kept upping the fees as more and more gold was found. and But it wasn't about that. It was about establishing um, a, 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 we went from being a colony to being, um, it was a, the, the first footsteps towards becoming a nation, which that part of the history has been conveniently or comfortably forgotten. So the Eureka Stockade Rebellion was about trying to establish uh, a, a republic in those days and um, as as throwing off the yoke of of the of the English um, army rule that had right. existed in Australia uh, from uh, you know and this was in Victoria remember so the first colony was established here in New South Wales as a penal colony and what they said to these thousands and thousands of prisoners that they brought out here, if you can make a go of it, you know, um, you'll be granted eventually freedoms and freedom itself from incarceration and you can, you know, work the land and become, you know, decent citizens, blah, blah, blah. So in Victoria, uh, it was never established as a penal colony. It was always a colony. Okay. Um, and. And, and then they found gold there, and that's part of our history. But, yeah, the Eureka Stockade. So I, I think the, the, the oath that they took, the rebel flag, is what we now call, uh, is our version, if you like, of the Stars and Bars, the Confederate flag. Yeah. And it's a, and it's a instead of it being diametrically opposed, it's a, a cross. And, and the flag is a pale blue background to... Uh, suggest the sky because um, it's, you know, it's a different blue in the Southern Hemisphere as it is in the Northern Hemisphere. So, and and the, the star, the constellation of the Southern Cross right. is is, the, is the, the stars on the flag and no, no Union Jack, obviously, because it, it was the, the British rule that they were trying to overthrow. Um. And it was very viciously and, and mercilessly suppressed and a persecution of all those involved that went on for months and months after it. And they were all uh, shot or bayoneted or, or hung. So it, it's in that spirit of uh, the Southern Stars that I want to do this new, this next tour and we'll play that album and if in if it's in, in not in entirety, almost. I don't think there's more than one or two songs that we might not play, but because it's it's my going back to you know coming full cycle as we yeah. started out on. Um, it's my way of 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 making. Yeah, you know, the band's never been political, not in the same way as like Midnight Oil or um, you know a couple of uh, bands that achieve. Uh, success here in Australia that were basically young Aboriginal men, um, you know, playing music from their personal experiences. So uh, political in a sense. Right. 
that um, it, it's it's not it's not a it's not a political statement in so much as that uh, we're beating a political drum, but uh, it's a it's a a statement about the loss that we've all suffered globally through this this phony pandemic thing, um, where they they have eroded our freedoms. And a Eureka stockade was about free in the oath that this is getting back to it. They took an oath underneath the flag and they said they swore an oath. And the oath of Eureka says that we truly will stand by one another and fight for our liberties, you know, for for liberties and freedoms. And and against it was a little bit more wordy than that, about the injustices of oppression. Yeah. So I think it's a very, very, with Assault and Battery, um, with the previous lineup, we did the Rock and Roll Outlaw album, re-recorded it, as you know. Um, with the last tour, we did Assault and Battery. This tour is going to be, um, we'll save Scarred for Life for later, but this, this, this run will be called Under the Southern Stars, um, and there's, there's a, track on the, the album that says I want to live my life under southern stars. It's it, it's it's my way of defending, if you like, uh, those rights and freedoms that those men and women died for at Eureka. Um, you know, it's just something for you to do, a little history lesson that you might want to invite, you know. Just I'm actually interested. I'm, I'm actually going to dig it up and, and learn more about it. I am, I'm actually a fan of history. I got Next one, music books or history books. Those are the two things yeah. I do. Or some science. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah, indeed. And I think, you know, whenever I do public speaking, and I've always said this in interviews, uh, you know, academically at school, I was an absolute dud. And um, I remember uh, my English teacher saying to me in those last few days of school, he said, like, school hasn't, actually ever academically been able to teach you much, Gary. He said, but um, what you what you will what what the most important things that you can learn have already been written in books or will be, but more importantly have been, and from life itself. Yeah. And and that was the best advice that I ever received because it gave me and those those years up to you know sixteen years old were years that were just you know it wasn't all darkness. Don't get me wrong, but you know it's a very dark period of my life. You know, I, I struggled with the uh, well, well, you know, surviving pedophilia, but I struggled with the, the domestic violence um, and and the sadness, the tragedy. You know that that I saw my mother going through daily and. Um, yeah, so it was a pretty dark period. So, so be, to be given that glimmer of hope, you know, like all is not lost. There's still, you know, there's still lightness out there. You just got to go and find it, you know, or light it, you know, within your own life. And and yeah, so I've I've read voraciously ever since. And um, and, and like you just said, when you pointed to your own collection, is that you can't, you can't really escape from history. You can, none of us can. You can learn from it. You, you there are absolutely. I mean, and, and I mean, I got in trouble in school. I have. I grew up with you know, 
uh, a, a learning disability. I have um, Asperger's or autism, whatever they want to call it, high functioning. But I've learned to communicate differently and, and blend with people. Like I don't write very well, but I can talk. And but my memory on like music and music to me was like, well, most people autism would be like with trains, right? You do the cliche of trains. Mm. With me, it's music. Mm. And music has gotten me through everything. My lack of mm. parents, my whatever, they were there. Mm. Certain artists and musicians and songs I've learned from. Mm. Because of, you know, I think an example would be like, a band like Rose Tattoo would, would be about fighting oppression and not getting beat down. You know what I'm saying? So to me, there was always a lesson. And I like if I have a history, like I have a book on just called Weird History, kind of weird history. But there's <laughs> a, a story or a journey or something that, and that's how I learned. You know, I didn't do very well in school because I didn't, my brain doesn't work like that. But I'd nah. be reading other books in school that'd be kind of not, they should be school books, but they weren't. You know what I mean? It's, I was just doing my own thing. You know, but they were also my glimmers of hope. It wasn't, I didn't have the horrible things that you went through, but I think for everybody, you know, music is, or, 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 or anything can help people, you know, pull them yeah. through the worst moments, yeah. you know? Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I don't know how, how you pulled through what you did. I mean, I think it's just incredible. You know, you know, the thing about it is, and we'll talk about this next time. Yeah. Uh, one of the most, and I've done it twice, I've walked this, uh, there was a, a war campaign through Papua New Guinea uh, during the Second World War, and uh, the Japanese had invaded Papua New Guinea, and they sent a militia, and some of them were as young as 16 or 17 years old because they lied so they could go. And they, were, they sent these untrained, unseasoned uh, young soldiers up there and ever since then, um, um, anyway, I, I went as part of a, a, a dinner, a, a, a doco thing for television. And in 96, that was the first time I went. And, it, you know, getting across Kokoda from Owa's Corner across, it's that thin part of Papua New Guinea that comes down. Mm. It, it takes about 10 days to do it. And you continue climbing and going up to these impossibly high ridges and then going down into the valleys where the, the rivers are. And, and then every day, is, you know, it's the most extraordinary physical experience I think that, well, I've ever had. And it reduces you to nothing physically and emotionally. So there's only one place to go. And, it, you know, the, the, the old cliche, when you're down, 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 there's only one place to go and that's up. But you, you have the opportunity during that experience to discover things about yourself you never knew. And <clears throat> how I got through the loss of my brother and my father and, and then, of course, my recently my youngest child was that I found those things. And we all have them. Um, we all have them. And that's when I do public speaking and particularly with younger people, I always say, look, you know, the world's full of negativity and you, you young people today have been bombarded for the last 20 years plus in the education system and in, in the, the world around them by yeah. the news. Nothing but bad news. So no wonder they're frustrated. No wonder they're anxious. No wonder they're depressed. No wonder they 
I mean, you know, this whole thing, you know, the world's going to end in 20 years. They said that 40 years ago. The world uh, ended in 20 years. I like to know who it is because they're also the same people that said eggs are good, then eggs are bad, then eggs are good. Remember those guys? I think it's the same. Yeah. I don't take you off track, but I think it's the same people. But I'm sorry. Yeah, Maybe. absolutely. It's the same Remember with that? salt. Eggs are bad. Same with, salt. Same with salt. I mean, you know, anyway, anyway the point is <laughs> sorry. If, if, they, if you only feed a growing organism negativity, right. that's what they turn into. And the reason that, you know, it's a simplistic reason that the reason that so many young people are so depressed about the future, the reason that they're so passionate about this farce of climate change, they call it now, but it used to be called global warming, but they're going back to global warming because they're not getting anywhere quickly enough. But the thing about it is that we're not warming at all. Anyway, that's another story for another day. (laughs) <laughs> but the, the you know but the thing about it is is that, that you know there's there's great strength in all of us, Sean, and it's called upon from time to time with the cruel necessity of life. I mean, okay, life can give you the greatest ups if you know, and that's part of the deal. But it also to teach you, it will hurt you. Not purposefully, not vindictively, but just because that's the way it is and that's the way it's got to be because, you know, and I've said this ever since I wrote the songs Scarred for Life, Mm -hmm. which we'll get into at another time. Um, And, and, you know, going back to the ship, I had two, two different players out of two different bands say to me, Scarred for Life changed my life. Because I understood what you were talking about. And I said, well, okay, I'm grateful for that. Humbled by that, but grateful. Um, because they 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 heard what, what what they said. Oh, we heard this great sound, this great music, this great songs. And but they heard the words, they they understood what that that writer, <laughs> me, uh, was writing about those experiences. You know, and yeah, so we'll leave it at that. And the thing about it is, um, that's it. Great trial and tribulation brings out the best in people. And that's why someone said to me a while ago, only a few days ago, very young person said, who works with my my son, my eldest son, who, you know, so I've only got one child living with me now. Um, and his mate, and we were talking about these social issues, you know, this. and I said, you know, we haven't seen it yet, but we will. This is, this is a really traumatic time for all of us, those of us who don't accept it and don't believe it and don't think that it's like it's a campaign of fear. I said, it'll bring out the strengths in people because you back people up against the wall and they go, you know what, I'm going to fuck off. I'm not taking any more. And that's when they get up and they fight back. You either fight or you crumble. I mean, and I think... Bingo. Know, Bingo. Uh, my my um, example, my my um, my stepbrother, half-brother, he just passed away recently in the past year. He had uh, he was younger than, a year too younger than me. He had cancer. And um, 
we both grew up in the same household and parents were not the best. We'll just say that. All right. But he grew up and every time he'd come over, I'd see him, he'd be talking about how bad it was. And he'd like relive it and relive it. I don't, I didn't relive it. I said, you know, I got past it. I said, it's not about even forgiving it. I, one day it just hit me. It wasn't about me. Their people's behavior on you is not about you. So if you get beat down by them, it's not personal on some level. I mean, it's you, but it's not personal. It's who that person is. It could be somebody else there that that it, it, it could be not me, somebody else there that's going to get that crappy behavior or he's going to get that bad stick. It doesn't matter who you are. You're just a variable. You're not a bad person. You know what I'm saying? So it's like you weren't being beat up for you. You were, you were just in the wrong spot. And this doesn't make it acceptable. <laughs> you can still be frustrated. Yeah. But it's not the same way of the world like someone's telling you you're a failure you know it's that, that's just my little two cents on that one that's you know how yeah how, no it, it, it absolutely nailed it absolutely because yeah. it's like when i think back to you know my uncle who gave me music i mean he i told you that story about but in in most likelihood, because he he revealed himself uh, later in life as being a pedophile. So it, it what what it illustrates to me, and I accept now that he was my my abuser. Um. So on one hand, he gave he gave me you know the, the best thing, apart from my children. He gave me the best thing in my life, which is my ability to to musically express myself. He imbued that that love of music in me as a very very, and it was part of the nurturing process. Yeah, because I you know, I spent long hours with him, and I spent, you know, I was in love with this the fact that he was a musician, that he played, that he had this wonderful machine called a you know record player, a gramophone or phone phonogram. Oh my god! Yeah, yeah <laughs> I said record player. player. I'm sorry. <laughs> and and then there's these wonderful things called records, and I mean you know it opened up a whole world for me. And so, you know, the, the dynamics of that, you know, can't be unappreciated or shouldn't go unappreciated, is that that's life. That to me, you know, uh, in recent times, and we'll talk about this next time, is that, you know, I've been approached by a very substantial uh, uh, publishing house to do a book, um, which we, we're about to start. And they asked me for, you know, like recollections, early recollections to help shape me into the music part because the, the large part of the book is going to be about my life in Rose Tattoo and 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 all that means, you know, so the other parts, you know, the, the TV and all that kind of stuff because it's all intertwined. And, and I said, yeah, I said, this, this, this absurdity, this contradiction about this, this person, this pivotal person, at five and six years old, set me on this course. And, you know, it, it, the fact that he, you know, did what he, he did, I mean, he, he gave me with one hand and took with the other is the phrase that I used. But the mm -hmm. thing about it was that, and, and this is what I try to tell people that, that, that are survivors of pedophilia or childhood physical abuse, emotional abuse, not necessarily sexual abuse, is it's about that person. It's 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 what yeah. they did. You, you, you were just, as you said, you know, you were just a person who took the beating, so to speak. You know, it's like Colin, my biological father, when he, he beat my mother or he beat me, um, 
<clears throat> that was because he was deeply troubled. And I, in the end, I was able to come to terms with that. I never could reconcile with him. That would be hypocritical. But I came to terms with the fact that he he had a tragic childhood. Worse than 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 I, than I, get, I get what you're saying. The same thing my mom when she passed. I didn't talk to her. She died of COVID. I wasn't, but and she wasn't she was emotionally vapid and, and whatever. But I didn't accept her parenting and leaving me, whatever. But I also didn't hold it because of who she was. Well, see, because what she did or didn't do spoke of her. What right. you did, that you didn't hold that hate until the grave, so to speak. That I don't hate anybody. Of, I don't hold any hate. That, but hate you see, that's, that speaks of you, Sean. I cannot like things, <laughs> but I will not hold hate. It's, that's fine, brother. It's fine. <laughs> Look, I dislike it a lot, but I'm not going to hate it. It's like. I, I was about to say something really dumb, like let's leave some of that for next time. But that's true. We're not ever we're not ever going to run out of stuff to talk no, about. We, we will never. I know. No. I, I know. I've taken up a lot of your time, so I'm. You know, I always. It's enjoy fine. It's right fine. Now. I, uh, as always, I, I I just enjoy our time uh, together immensely. It's just that looking at our local clock, I realise that. There's a couple of things I just absolutely have to get to do. I do too. I have to go to bed. (laughs) Okay, brother. Thank you very much. You take care. Love and light to you and yours, mate. You too, man. Right back at you. See you, brother. Bye. Bye Bye-bye.